Welcome back to Foster.Minnesota's Let's Talk, a podcast that brings you valuable resources for prospective and current adoptive and foster families, as well as professionals. My name is Chris, and I'm an education coordinator at Foster.Minnesota. And my name is Sunny, and I'm also an education coordinator here. Sunny, can you believe we're in the middle of summer recording and we're talking about back to school already? It seems like <laughs> the snow just melted and it's been a warm, dry summer for us, but here we are. We're back to school days. Yeah, no, I'm uh, excited <laughs> about the school. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so the snow, as far as the snow goes, Brenda is missing the snow. <laughs> yeah, so who do we have with us today? <laughs> well, I'm sitting here today in person with today's guest, Brenda Benning. So Brenda, we're happy to have you back as a guest to talk about back to school transitions. Thank you. It's exciting to be back. I love being back in person, seeing everybody being back in Minnesota. So thank you for asking me. Yeah, she's actually sitting with us live, which is super cool. Our first. Um, So welcome and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to for those that know your name and have been to your trainings. Yeah, it has been a while. We talked about this just a little bit ago about how long it's been since we've been able to do some training in person. Um, since then, the last couple of years, we've been, um, we relocated our family out to the eastern shore of Maryland, which if you don't know where that is, it's the tiny little peninsula off the edge of Maryland and um, right up against the Atlantic Ocean. Um, we've been there for a couple of years, hoping to move back some point, hopefully in the next couple of years. Um, we've since added another child to our family, uh, working on finalizing that adoption, hopefully in the next couple of months, but that process has been extremely long because I have two very slow states working on it. Not Minnesota, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So that's been a challenge, but that is going really well. And, um, it's always interesting to throw yourself back into the trauma world in real life with your family. I've, I've got... Most of most of people who know who I am know I have ten other children. Um, so we've got nine who are finalized adoptions, and then we have one bio child and now a foster child. But hopefully, we'll be adopted in the next couple months. And so yeah, busy household. Wow! Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, let's dig right in then to our topic um, about the back to school transitions. And when should families start a back-to-school routine, and what are some things to include? So this topic is super great at my house right now. (laughs) You probably start school a little earlier than us here in Minnesota. No, we don't. Actually, I think you you guys start before we do. So we don't start until the Wednesday after Labor Day. I don't know why. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, But yeah. So, um, but this will be the first year that we have a new child in our home starting school with the rest of the school or with the rest of the students um, and, and the kids in my house. So this topic is, was perfectly timed. So you guys did great with your whole intuition thing because <laughs> we're doing this in my home as we speak. We're here for in Minnesota for a couple of weeks. And then when we go back, it'll be about that three week time that, you know, I've, does the exactly what we're talking about. I, I think three weeks is about the time that you should start that transition. You start working on changing schedules, you change routines, you change your, even your meal schedules. All of that starts to change and adjust because 
in the summer, we tend to let things go a little bit more. We let, you know, bedtimes tend to be later and we sleep in later. We have more activities to do. Mealtimes get pushed, all of that. So it's always a little bit harder to get back into the routine of school. So I always say sleeping, eating, any of those routine things that would happen during the school year should start happening right around that three weeks before school starts. So one of the things that goes along with the changing schedules and, and routines and everything is um, for us as parents to go back and uh, review our kids' IEP plans, um, individual education plans from last year, if you have one. Um, and then you, what you want to do is really go through it and see what has changed, if anything has changed over the summer, behavioral changes, any new or completed therapies that have happened, improvement or setbacks from the summer, anything you have changed that has worked or tried and has not worked, anything like that. Um, and then along with that, make sure that you're setting up IEP meetings with schools to make those changes before the school year starts. So I know you you mentioned what an IEP is, how and I, we could talk about this for probably hours, but could you just kind of give a brief explanation, like how do parents get one, how do who qualifies, maybe a little more detail. Okay, so yeah, you're right. This could be a two hour conversation, just <laughs> what an IEP is and how you get one. Um, and there are lots of resources out there. And I know that you guys here have a lot of connections too um, in helping families get those IEPs in place. So an IEP is for students with disabilities. Um, they, it provides the services and supports that kids will need to be successful in school. There are a couple different ways to get those supports in place. Um, there's an IEP, which is the individual education plan, which you have to qualify for. Um, and that usually entails getting um, a school evaluation or an outside evaluation that school can use that has diagnoses that would qualify under Minnesota statutes. There's also what's called a 504 plan. And a 504 plan is accommodations they can make without having a diagnosis or without having that full um, assessment done by the school. So there's two avenues you can go. You know, if you have, if you need something simple like just preferential seating because the child might be distracted if they sit in the back, that's something they can do in a 504 plan that they don't necessarily have to have a full review and have diagnosis that would give them that kind of requirement to be successful in the classroom. And it sounds like this is a good segue into establishing yourself as part of the team. It's a, a big component. Right, right. And I think that is critical when it comes to our kids' success in school. As soon as you can establish yourself, the parent, as part of their school team, their IEP team, uh, everybody else that they're, that they're coming into contact in the school day, um, the sooner you can do that, the more successful everybody's going to be. The other part of that is um, making sure that you get outside help if you need it, okay? Because part of what schools do is, and I'm not faulting schools, so hopefully I don't offend anybody in this, but <laughs> schools are very good at saying, we know what we're doing you can trust us to parents. And a lot of times that's not good enough for us parents because there are things that we know that sometimes we don't feel like the school is listening to us on. And I have, this happened in my own, in my own family with my own child where I had to call in support because they didn't wanna really work with me on that level. 
So what I always recommend doing is getting somebody in there to help you um, as just another person on your side to say, okay, this is how we are seeing things and this is what we think the child needs and taking the parent out of that pushing role, if you will, I guess, and saying, no, my child needs A, B, and C. You need to give my child A, B, and C. If you can step back from that role as the parent and just be part of the team rather than the one pushing and you let your outside person do that pushing, you're maintaining that safe, healthy relationship with the school and not creating an adversarial role for yourself. So the goal being, we wanna make sure that the school is doing everything it can to help your child and including you in that rather than excluding you and then creating this kind of strained relationship where they see the child as a problem because the parent's the problem. Does that make sense? If that doesn't make sense, ask clarifying questions because it's really hard (laughs) to explain, but there's so many times where the parents kind of get this reputation of being, oh, we don't want to deal with that parent, just do this. And then the child loses in the end. So really keeping that parent or that um, child teacher, child admin, child team relationship there and and being able to be supportive as the parent, but not being overly pushy and letting that other person take that role for you. Right. And I think you, I mean, you've said before that the relationship between the student and teacher can make or break a school year. So Mm -hmm. those are something, words to remember. Yeah. The other, some of the other things you can do to make in, in making yourself part of the team is make sure you meet with the teacher. You know, elementary schools, there's usually just one teacher. They have a homeroom teacher. Um, middle schools, they have a homeroom teacher, but they're going to have a broader team of teachers. Same with high school. If you can meet with as many of those teachers as you can without your child present, because the last thing a kid needs to do or hear or listen to when they're starting out a brand new school year and trying to start over is all the things they struggle with. So let's take them out of that uncomfortable situation. You have a meeting with the the staff or the teachers and kind of set them up. The other thing also gives them, it also gives them the, you the opportunity, I'm sorry, to see if you think it's a good fit for your child. Is this teacher going to be rigid and not flexible in anything? Or are they going to be a little bit easier to deal with when it comes to your child's needs? And it gives you that opportunity without the child present to kind of assess that, um, which is gonna be important because again, if the child has a good relationship with the teacher, they're gonna be more successful. That's really good insider information, so thanks for that. I don't know that I would have thought about the reputation of parents mm-hmm. within the school, so that's fabulous information, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on to establishing routines, what recommendations would you have for those? So establishing new routines is so hard, especially when you're still in the throes of summer, right? And everybody tries to go out of town one more time the last, the last week of August and you know trying to get everything done. Um, and so I think the routines is the hardest thing to change for us parents. The kids tend to, to accommodate, but for us parents, it's like, no, I don't want to get up. I don't want to, do, you know, I don't want to rush home and cook dinner. I'm, I still have some more weeks to do that, right? And so I think really starting to establish those routines in the morning and at night is going to be critical to being successful right from the get-go when school starts. Because especially when you have a child coming into a new school year, and again, they're trying to start over. If they had a rough year last year, they're trying to start over. 
if we're just going to throw them into the morning routine, the first day of school, we're going to have, and I promise you this, this will happen. You're going to have three weeks of adjustment. In those three weeks of them being in school, how many negative interactions are they going to have? Because they're not adjusted to it yet. So we're going to take that out of the equation. Let's just remove it completely and start those now while they're still at home. And once you get into a good morning routine, and that, you know, that means um, morning routines are what time we get up in the morning and nobody wants to get up at six in the morning on a set in the summer, but that's okay. <laughs> Maybe we have a downtime movie in the afternoon. It's okay. You'll survive, I promise. Um, but getting up in the morning, what, how much time are you going to have before the bus comes? You might have to guess because we probably don't have that information yet, but how much time do you need in the morning? How much time do you want in the morning? Um, getting up, getting breakfast, getting things together, what you need to have to get to the bus. Where is the bus? Are you riding the bus? Are you driving to school? These kinds of things you have to iron out before the first couple of days of school. Um, and then um, the afternoon, you know, what's gonna happen after school? Are we gonna have a billion different activities to run to? When is homework gonna get done? When is dinner gonna get done? What's the routine gonna be for bedtime? How, when are we gonna start doing bedtime? When are we gonna start doing, um, you know, all of, the, all of the other things that would come with bedtime and showering and all of that? Are we gonna shower in the night or the morning? You know, all these little things that we just kind of let go in the summer that we have to rethink now with school starting. Um, setting up a regular mealtime routine. That is probably one of the, I'm terrible at this, by the way. In the, in the summer, um, do as I say, not as I do. Literally just going to say that because my kids will tell you what time is dinner tonight. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. We'll just, I don't know. Um, and, and it's so easy to say, and my kids will always do this. What are we having for dinner tonight? I don't know. What should we have? And I'll say, let's have cereal. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have cereal's to. great. <laughs> um, but but that's the kind of thing that you let go in the summer. And those are the things that need to change. You know, you need to have a good um, balanced meal time and balanced meals um, on top of that to make sure we're setting them up for success from the beginning, right? And making sure that your lunch schedule is coinciding with their lunch schedule you know, which is going to take some doing and learning about schedules and that kind of thing. Um, and then practicing, because I have to say this so many times, practicing all of these things, practice getting out the door, practice, you know, the nighttime routine, practice all of these things before it comes to the time to actually do it. And so many of our kids need that practice. They need the reminders. They need the, you know, the ability to do it and not get it right the first time and everybody not being stressed out about it because now we're gonna be late, right? It's, it's the practicing and getting that routine down before you start that is really gonna make the difference. Okay, great. Okay, so thanks for that advice on the routines. So Brenda, how would you recommend easing your child into the school day? Okay, so there's a couple, I'm gonna, there's two ways you can do this. And if you can do them both, great, but do as much as you can, because I think it'll make it just that much easier for them. The first thing is meeting teachers ahead of open house dates. Now, we all remember those open house dates, even if you haven't been there in a while. They're <laughs> insane. Okay, I hate open house nights, and I avoid them if I can. 
because they're crazy. Here's your schedule. And then you run around the school and do what you need to do. And you don't have time to talk to any teachers. You don't have time to do anything. So contact the school ahead of time and just say, hey, you know, if we have schedules, can I arrange something to meet with the child or meet, have the child meet the teacher? And we can kind of go through this, go through the schedule and um, I'm sorry, go through the meeting the teacher and all of that. This is, you know, this is separate than you talking to the teacher separate from the child, okay? So this is the child actually going into the school, into the classroom, meeting their teacher and um, getting to know a little bit about their classroom, the school, especially if it's a new school, all of those things, okay? Um, and doing it outside of the open house night just gives you more opportunity to talk to the teacher. The teacher and the student can talk a little bit more, see what interests maybe they share, just setting up that relationship from the very beginning on a positive note, okay? Um, and here again, you can see how the teacher interacts with your child to make sure again, that this is gonna be the right fit for them moving forward. Um, and then I would allow the child and the student to have, or I'm sorry, the child and the teacher to have some time to just get to know each other if the teacher will allow it. And a lot of times when we have children with these kinds of special needs or um, trauma and trust and attachment issues, the teachers can be really accommodating. And maybe this they arrange, we arrange ahead of time that they do a little activity, putting up one of the poster boards or whatever, just to give them a chance to build a little bit of rapport. Um, and then get to know each other a little bit more on a personal level rather than this child on this piece of paper, which I think is really important for right. teachers. Um, the other thing that I would do, you know, as well as getting into the school to see the teacher, also get into the school to run through their, their schedule. Um, if you can get an admin to walk around with you, especially if this is a new school, but even if it's not, um, one of the things that I'm gonna recommend, and I'll talk about it in a little bit, is really establishing a uh, safety net for your child. And so this admin person um, should be somebody that would be a good person for your child to go to in case something were to happen. It doesn't have to be a counselor. It doesn't have to be the principal. It doesn't have to be the social worker. Sometimes it's just somebody that they connect with. If they've been in the school before, maybe they know somebody that they already connect with. I had one, family where it was the school janitor. And after lunch every day, the, the child would go and help the janitor um, clean tables. And it worked really well. It gave, it gave her a safety place to be and not have to worry about anything else. So those kinds of things you want to start to, to work on outside of, again, the craziness of open house when everybody's running in all different directions and you're about to lose your mind like me. Um, so and it's a great tip for, for making your, your team bigger, just to think mm -hmm. outside the box a little bit more Exactly. About a janitor yep. or, or yep. other staff. Yeah. Are schools typically accommodating to meet ahead of time before the open houses? Some are, okay. some are not. Okay. And if you have an IEP with your child, um, or for your child, you have a little bit more push. And that's where your secondary person, outside person can come in and say, hey, this is gonna help this child's transition. You'll have a much smoother transition. Sometimes when you have a situation where a child had a tough last year, they will be a little more accommodating to hopefully starting out better this year. Um, and so sometimes you can get a push that way. Um, if it's a new student to the school, 
or they're transitioning from elementary to middle, um, you'll get more um, accommodating that way too. So those are some of the some of the ways. The other the other thing you want to do on those um, on that walking through the school with your schedule days is if there's a new IEP coordinator, a new um, case manager, or a new counselor, those are the people that you want the child to meet outside of open house day when they can really sit down and talk and and get to know each other um, outside of school behaviors, outside of issues at school, where it's just, hey, I'm introducing you, I'm introducing myself to you, and they can have a conversation outside of getting sent to this office because you did something wrong. It just starts things out on a, on a better, um, on a better foot. Just nice. Transitions easier. Good. Great advice. Thank you. Great. Well, we talked about preparing parents for school, then we went to the youth preparing them for school. So how do you say, hey, school, here we come. Like, what's, <laughs> what's the best to prepare the school? I think, you know, this is probably a little part of this that I, I maybe differ from a lot of people is we spend so much focus and so much time talking about how do us parents prepare our kids for school? How do we pre prepare ourselves to start the school year? We never talk about how do we prepare the school? Right. And I think this is a really important piece, especially when we have kids who have the needs that our kids have. And that's just that's just the way the way that it, it is for us. And my family has been doing this for a long time because of our you know, special needs in our family. So um, when we talk about the IEP meetings, we talk about that. That's one of the things that is absolutely a must. And getting the school on the same page with you as far as this is how the summer went. This is how last school year went. We're not doing that again. Um, so this is what we're going to do differently. And this is where getting that IEP set up first before you start school is going to be really important. This meeting is where a lot of times the kids don't want to be part of it. I know they have a right to be and some schools will insist. I tend to go the other way because that's, again, the last thing kids need to hear right before school starts is how, quote unquote, bad they are, right? And so keeping them out of the loop of this might be beneficial. You can always have another meeting later on after school starts. Hey, what do you think? How are things going? But this one, I think they would be okay for them to sit out of. And you just review all the things you prepared prior to this meeting and what's changed, what's improved, what hasn't improved, what's maybe gotten worse. Maybe September is a really bad trigger month for them as far as trauma goes. Lots of changes in those kinds of things in their history. Those are the things you wanna get on top of before school starts. And that's setting the, the school up for understanding this is gonna be a hard month. And this is why, and this is where we're going to, um, we're gonna go through and help them start out right. Um, the school as well. This is more for the school really than for the child because schools tend to, if you've ever had a child in an IEP, the school will always say October. We'll review this in October. <laughs> and I hate that more than anything because now you're setting these kids up for six weeks of craziness. Right. And where are we going to be at in six weeks? So I always find that. point, you've probably fallen behind a little bit too. Yeah. Yep. And we've had behaviors by then. Right. We've already had the negative impression by then. So yeah, I, I'm, I always push. Um, and I do, I do a lot of work with families 
working with the schools on this kind of thing. And it's one of the things I will always say, um, get in there and prepare before school starts. They'll, they'll kick back, they'll balk a little bit, but that's okay. Let's get in there and get, get this done before school starts. Um, and then the other thing is that nobody thinks about, especially schools, is transitions. All of our kids, almost all of our kids struggle with transitions. And so when we're looking at the next school year, it's full of transitions. I counted one day, I had a child who was in a level four setting school and she had 13 transitions throughout the day. Oh, wow. And transitions is the hardest thing for our kids to accommodate and get through. So figuring out a way to make that transition, those transitions easier, leaving class a little early, getting class a little late, whatever that looks like, finding, finding ways that work for the school and the student and the schedule and all of that to make that work. Um, establishing a safe zone for your child um, when they get overwhelmed. What is that going to look like? Because most of the time the school is going to say, well, they ran out of class. Okay. And then what happened? Because when they run out of class, which they probably will do, we need to know where they're going and they need to know where they're going. And they need to know again, who that safe person is that they're going to seek out. Who are they going to look for? Where are they going to go? And having that set up ahead of time is going to help the school manage that behavior a lot better than, than just let it happen, see what happens and we'll go from there. Because that whole, let's see if it happens is not a good way to start out. It's <laughs> gonna happen. <laughs> Just be ready for it, right? Um, and then identifying that safe person, um, even if it's not an admin or a counselor or something, really getting to where that, where are they going to be most helped? Um, when they need to calm down, when they need redirection, when they need a break. And knowing, getting school to understand that they're going to need more breaks at the beginning of the school year than they are maybe by Christmas. But that's just part of the transition and part of easing in back into the routine of this. Right. And even providing, you know, the school, the information that they might have a treatment team. There might be people contacting the school asking for grades or, you know, just a status on everything. Right. I think a lot right. of, you know, social workers are stretched thin. So it's, they're, they're putting out fires as they come. So it might not be something that they think of like contacting the school. So just being an advocate. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So really, as kind of a, a wrap up, a, you know, just kind of bringing everything a little bit together, making it simpler, <laughs> because we covered a lot of information. <laughs> I mean, setting everybody We're the goal is to set everybody up, up for success. Parents, kids, the teachers, the school, everybody. So establishing the routines and then practicing those routines is super important. Um, it might be irritating and frustrating, but the more you practice something, the better you get at it. And kids don't always think about that, but it's, it's a reality. Um, practice walking the new school schedule and meeting new staff um, before open house. If you can't make that happen, you're on vacation or the school's not accommodating, do the best you can. But then I would really at that open house night, I would talk to the main teacher and just say, hey, we really need to have a conversation, even if it's on the phone um, and, and have that, that heart to heart with them and make sure that they're going to be a good fit more than anything. Um, 
making sure you have supports to help with school. Um, again, the outside help so that you're seen as an ally, not an adversary. Um, and I've, I've seen it so many times where parents are just struggling because the school's not listening and it just becomes a very negative, um, negative relationship. And I tend to push back and just say, I'll go in with you. They can hate me <laughs> because I don't care. It doesn't affect me. My kid isn't here. It, they can be mad at me. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need that other person to be. The, the person that the school gets mad at, not the parent, right? right. And so finding that right person. I've, I've had people have a friend come in in a business suit, like a lawyer or something, <laughs> not say a word in, ma- in meetings. And that's all it takes. It's crazy. It's just having that other person sit with you in front of the rest of the school admin and they they tend to be like, okay, all right. <laughs> so, you know, use that if you need to, if they're not being listening or if they're not listening, um, be proactive. And this is where schools struggle. Schools are reactive. Try as much as you can to be a proactive in all the things that you think could happen so that we're not reacting to the other stuff because reactions are always um, bigger and harder to overcome than if we're proactive about things and we have a plan in place. Um, and then the big, my biggest reminder for parents, no matter what the school tells you, you know your child better than anybody else. And even though they'll tell you they know kids, they don't know your child. So right. take that and own it. You know your child best. Right. Well, those, that was a lot of information, but I, I feel like it was... You hit all the points, getting prepared. Now, everyone is ready. <laughs> Everybody's ready. You should be ready to just it. <laughs> ready for school. <laughs> so you you mentioned that you have a new member of your family um, that will be starting school like fresh this year as a family, correct? Yep. Do you, um, do you think you have to tweak things? Like I'm thinking of foster parents who maybe have a foster youth in their home and they're going to be starting a new school. It seems like most of this is set up for all youth, but do you have any additional tips? Yeah. So like for us, um, he came in October. We couldn't get, again, I had mentioned that we are dealing with the two slowest states in the country. (laughs) We didn't get him into school until middle of January. No lie. So he started when he came into the home he was not going to school at all. We were doing some homeschool type things just to keep him actively learning. And then by the time he went to school, he was the only, he was the youngest and the only elementary kid. And so his schedule was completely different. Okay. Now this fall, he's going to be in middle school and everybody else is on the same schedule. So I'm lucky in a way that he will be able to just pick up where everybody else is going if that makes sense. So yeah. we won't have to worry so much about his schedule and everybody else's schedule. And so the routines and all of the things that I was talking about will kind of be everybody. Um, the other thing that I'm, I'm like the meanest mom in the world on <laughs> is with my kids and their histories. One thing that I don't change in the summer that actually is an advantage when it comes to school is bedtime. Bedtime doesn't change in my house because Routines are so important for my kids that if I alter bedtime at all, the entire house pays for it. (laughs) And it is everybody in the house. So bedtimes don't ever shift for me. Now, once we get to school starting and, you know, 
those couple of weeks before school, we will be a lot more intentional about you no know, lights out at this time and there is no extra 10 minutes of reading or whatever. So we will get a little bit more strict on that, but we don't have to change our bedtime by hours. So I'm lucky in that way that our routines really won't change that much. Mealtime will. <laughs> I will be getting better at that because <laughs> we tend to do that in the summer. But, you know, again, it's it, all of these changes. We're lucky in that with him, he's going to follow right along with, with my other middle schoolers once, okay. once it comes time for school. So we're lucky that way. Okay, so I do have a follow-up question because I'm pretty fascinated with this first contact ahead of time before mm -hmm. open schools and, and establishing yourself as an ally instead of an adversary. Mm -hmm. So do you have any gem opening statements or questions that parents could use to say, hello, school? Hello. <laughs> 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 <So, laughs> um, there's two things you can do. Okay. One, you can just cold call the school. Mm -hmm. and we all know, and if you don't know, now you will, and it'll probably get me in trouble, but that's okay. I can take it because it's okay if schools hate me. Um, you can just tell them that I told you this. Um, teachers go back to school the week before school. And teacher and schools will balk at any meetings happening that week. So generally what I do is if I have a new student coming in or I have um, changes to an IEP we have to make, I will simply say, exactly what I said here. I want my child to start out the year in, on a more, in the most positive note I can. I want everybody to be as prepared as we possibly can. Now school, if you're not having that same goal, then we'll wait until after school. Oh. But usually it's one of those things where you put them on the spot like that and they're like, well, I don't wanna be the one that is you know, rejecting a good fresh start. So then they'll usually, Okay. And not everybody is looking for that meeting ahead of time. Um, and it really depends on your school and your principal. I mean, if you have a good principal who understands a lot of this stuff, Minnesota is a lot better now with the trauma informed and, and all of that. Um, not everywhere, but a lot of a lot of schools are getting better with that. And so they tend to be a little more accommodating. Um, so, yeah. The other thing that you can do is, um, let's see. Um, so you kind of set them up, you put them on the spot. And then the other thing you can do is just give the, um, give the admin a call and say you want to tour of the building, um, say that you're new to the school, whatever, you just want to tour. Sometimes they won't even give you your schedule. We had a school where they wouldn't give you your schedule ahead of anybody else's. And so I'm like, well, okay, that's on you. Then I'm not going to worry about it. You can deal with this and that, you know. Um, but if you can get a tour of the school and you have a general idea, mm -hmm. you can just go in and do a tour. And a lot of times you can do that anytime in the summer. You might not get the teacher, but at least you'll be able to go through the school, see what's new, see what's changing. Some of our kids don't even like the changes, the, the changes in the paint color on the walls. Mm. can be overwhelming and and they struggle with something as similar as, or as simple as that okay. so just getting into the building the smells all of that stuff again can just help if that's the minimum you can do then do that okay um but you can usually push and get some of those other things great advice and hey if you've made friends with the janitor maybe you have a, yes an extra yeah. in 
Make you the Well, are there any last thoughts or, I mean, I, I feel like I've learned a lot and I want to thank you for those tips, but do you have anything else you want to provide before we oh. sign off and let you go back East? I can't do that. I can't think of, like, <laughs> if you have things to kind of feed my brain, then maybe, but yeah. no, there's, it's a lot of information packed into a really short hour. And I think it's always important to give people, and I, I'm sure you guys do this, is that, you know, if, if there's people who listen to these and kind of go, okay, but what about this, that they have that opportunity to reach out and right. be able to ask those kinds of questions and I'm always available. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's always there too, to just kind of, okay, I had somebody ask me this question from this, <laughs> from this podcast we did, what do you think? And, you know, so, but having that option for people, I think is helpful. Yeah. Do you have a website or you're on our help therapist list, right? Yeah, I'm on the, the help therapist. Um, and my, my website is, pretty um I don't use it very much so it's easier <laughs> to just email me yeah <laughs> so people would be better off just sending me an email but I you know um I don't know if you want to provide that in the in anything but I can or do you want to provide that? it doesn't bother me I have great I have great boundaries I my everybody has my phone number and I just take <laughs> word if I'm you know leave me a message but you know I might not answer but that's mostly for data privacy that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ignoring people. I'm just data <laughs> privacy. I got to get in that. Absolutely. Would you like to write your email? Sure. My email is just Brenda and it's at heal, H-E-A-L.org. Super easy, super okay. simple and fast. So if you have questions, you can absolutely reach out or through your, your health program too. And they always know how to get a hold of me. Okay. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Brenda. It was really helpful and happy back to school days and safe travels back east. Thank you. Thank you. And here's some more information about our program called HELP that offers a warm line to resources for adoptive, foster, and kinship families, including a network of adoption-competent, trauma-informed therapists statewide. Go to our website, fosteradoptmn.org, and click on HELP. Thank you so much for joining us today for Let's Talk. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to our podcast and tune in again soon.